1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the ARNX podcast, the podcast that focuses on the transformation and development in the shipping and maritime space. I'm Craig Eason, I'm the editor and owner of Fathom World and I'm host of this podcast and with me for this episode I have Torkild Torkildsen from Torghatten Nord, a ship owner um, in the north of Norway, Geirmund Johansen, who's been on an episode previously from Norwegian Ship Design and Peter van der from Lloyd's Register because in this episode we're going to be talking about a recent AIP for a vessel that Torghatton Nord has been developing to run in, around the islands up in the north of Norway. So I'm going to start here by just briefly just asking Torghatton if you, if you can, can you just explain for our listeners a little bit about Torghatten Nord? and these two vessels that you are uh, planning to build to put into operation around uh, the north of the country.
2: Uh, thank you for inviting me uh, to this podcast. Torghat Nord is uh, is a shipping company operating on uh, on the Norwegian coastline with ferries and catamarans. Our main office is in Tromsø, north of the polar circle. Uh, we are um, fully owned by Torghaten, uh, which is the group name and uh, one of three shipping companies within, within the group. Um, and we are operating some uh, around 50, 50 vessels now on, on the Norwegian coast, stretching from from Bergen in the south and up to, uh, to Finnmark county in, in the north. And we have all the ferry traffic uh, in and out of, uh, of the island of Lofoten. And this new project is also part of that because it's, uh, it's a ferry service going from Bode to the um, Lofoten islands uh, that, uh, that we now are preparing for, uh, for uh, two hydrogen vessels.
1: These two vessels that um, you've asked Jormund and his team to design, uh, they're going to be hydrogen powered, but it's a contract that you won from the Norwegian Road administration. I, I, I guess to an extent, this is a level of security that you've got, because one of the questions we often see around the industry is how quick this transition to a clean fuel can happen whatever clean fuel that industry is going to look at uh, but here you've got um, a contract for two vessels that is focused on a fixed contract so you know you're going to build these vessels you know they're going to go into operation so that's a, a kind of a level of uh, security for you for this business
2: yeah exactly it's uh' It, it's it's a tender from the Norwegian Road Authorities. It has been prepared for three, four years now uh, with, with different conferences and discussions. And, and the final uh, competition uh, was in, in 2021. And, and we won and we got the, the contract, uh, or we signed the contract in, in January this year. Um, and it is for for two hydrogen-powered vessels, uh, 85% of the energy should come from uh, from green hydrogen. They're going to be from the
1: start as soon as the uh, the vessels are in operation, is that the contract that you've got, that they have to be supplied with green hydrogen, not blue hydrogen or hydrogen from um, natural gas for example, but no, real it's, green hydrogen?
2: It's, it's green hydrogen and, uh, and we have a a starting date uh, uh, from October first, 2025, and it, and it is correct as you as you uh, as you mentioned that uh, this is a this is a firm contract and a firm project. It's not uh, any kind of experimentation uh, at all. We we have to start and we have a an obligation to start on on uh, October first, uh, 2025.
1: Have you secured the fuel already? Have you been looking into where you're going to get the fuel from?
2: Yeah, we have been working on that since uh, since uh, the, the tender came out we we're not uh, we have not finalized it uh, yet, but we are in the final stage of of uh, of uh, signing a contract for for the production of uh, of hydrogen which will take place. Locally and around the border area.
1: German, when we look at this ship design, these vessels of the company like um, this have been operating vessels up in the north of Norway um, for many, many years. And they're accustomed to the the harshness of the environment. Could you tell me a little bit about the design and how you built this design to both be novel and take care of that harsh environment operating conditions that they're going to have. Thanks again for inviting me to the podcast. Uh, I must say that we have been working with
0: Torghatten and Torghatten Nord for many years, and and we are we are very um, we have a very uh, close dialogue, close development of these uh, projects. So. So uh, we have the first-hand experience on, on the shipowner side, um, on a daily basis, during the development. Of course, it's a harsh environment, it's north of the polar circle, and uh, it's, uh, it's uh, the Norwegian most um, exposed uh, ferry crossing, and even the longest one. Uh, it's uh, 100 km in open water uh, from Buda to the islands the first challenge uh, of course the the um, the, the harshness is uh, is kind of uh, uh, more traditional but the main focus during the tender has been the hydrogen system and to build the vessel around a safe and and um, cost effective uh, hydrogen uh, system so um, so the the
1: yeah, uh, it's difficult to see pictures in a podcast, but, uh, but the other one. Well, if you go online, you can sure find um, the, yeah. the pictures that uh, are coming. But tell me a little bit about the, um, the design in terms of you said it's the longest ferry route that's um, so far been built to be powered by hydrogen. Um, 100 kilometers, is that to Le and from Böder and back again? No, um, is it more <laughs> it- then? Or is it's it, one, it one, uh, one direction? One direction. Okay. So, yeah. are you designing these vessels to be able to uh, refuel both in Berda and Lurfraten, or do you envisage just one? Or is it going to be designed to have the capability to only? So, you need to have a round trip capacity.
0: Yeah, it's it's not only a round trip capacity. It's uh, as it's uh, built now, it's uh, daily uh, bunkering daily, but it's going uh, up to three round trips. Um, uh, daily. So it's um, only bunkering in Buda, uh area, It's uh, quite, it will be a uh, sophisticated bunkering uh, uh, system developed uh, also to the vessel, uh, so it's to have a um, bunkering on both sides, then you need uh, hydrogen production on both sides and a bunkering system on both sides, so it's uh, It was much
1: more cost effective to have it in uh, one dedicated place. Are you looking at uh, compressed hydrogen or is this liquefied hydrogen? Yes, that's
0: been a a long discussion during this uh, project. Uh, I think uh, from the outside a lot were expecting to see uh, liquefied uh, hydrogen, but uh, we ended up with the compressed hydrogen. there is several reasons for this, but uh, but uh, commercially, of course, compressed is much more um, lower in price because it's um, you don't need the liquidification liquidification uh, stage, and and so on. But also, uh, uh, the simplicity and and uh, uh, safety wise, uh, our. Opinion is it that compressed hydrogen is uh, better than than uh, for um, liquid hydrogen
1: in such a vessel? But the flip I side of that, of that, of course, uh, is it's more you got you need more space for compressed need, hydrogen.
0: Obviously, you need, you need more space. Um, but but we uh, and but we uh, avoid um, the um, extremely low temperatures in liquid on minus two hundred fifty three, and. As we see it it's like a double complexity. It, uh, if you have a leak uh, with a liquid hydrogen it will firstly it's more heavy than air so it's go down and then it vaporized and go up so you'll have a like a double uh, you have to take care of two different cases uh, with the compressed it's um, it's more easy it's it's um, going off.
1: You're listening to the Aranax podcast from Fathom World. Remember to subscribe. Yes, I am an AI. Well, just before I go to Peter to talk about the AIP, Torquild, um I, I understand that this isn't the only work you're doing in sort of developing the vessels. And what I found interesting as well in some of the announcements was the fact that you're going to move two of the vessels away from LNG. Now, it seemed like only yesterday that all of the Norwegian ferry operators were being instructed to use LNG, or it was seen as the clean fuel. But uh, already now, we're seeing conversions. You're going to be converting two vessels away from LNG. Which vessels are you going to convert, and what are they going to be converted to use?
2: well it's uh it's the two vessels that that operate on the existing contract uh, which uh, was signed in or they started in 2012 2013 and at that point uh, the only energy or fuel that was allowed was was lng on this uh, on this route um, now they they in the in the new tender or or the tender that we signed earlier this year they explicitly said that, that uh, LNG is not uh, possible to use. It was hydrogen on the on the main vessels and uh, and on the reserve and um, it's a, it's a big uh, it's a big increase in traffic in the summertime. So we contractually, contractually we have to put in two uh, two additional vessels uh, for the summer traffic, and that's uh, that's what we are doing with the existing uh, uh, two vessels. We are converting them from LNG to biodiesel, uh, and, and we'll use them in the summer period and one of them as a spare vessel uh, for uh, for all year
1: around. So how are you going to give go the the vessels were built to run off of LNG. So they've got the LNG systems on board. Um, were they built with a dual fuel capability so that you could switch to diesel? Or is this, in some ways, it's a retrofit that's got a retro feel to it because a lot of retrofitting has gone from, LNG, has gone from diesel sorry, to LNG. But you're telling me here that you're effectively, because biodiesel is diesel in, a, in its molecular sense. So you're going from LNG to diesel. Yeah, biodiesel. I, I understand it's, it's biodiesel. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand that, but I, I'm just curious about this process of retrofitting from LNG to biodiesel.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit different, or, or the opposite of what uh, what uh, major part of the industry are doing. Uh, but that's uh, that's the way it's uh, put together on, in in this contract. Um, and LNG is, uh, for all practical reasons, out uh, in in the Norwegian. Domestic uh, ferry uh, service. So uh, again, we are uh, we are leaning on um, on and, and his expertise and his colleagues' expertise. So we are removing the whole gas system and and uh, reinstalling or not reinstalling but installing uh, a, a diesel engine and, and tanks and, and the necessary arrangements. These are quite new vessels. They, are, they were delivered in, in, in 2012, 2013, and they have been operated, so we know they are, they are, best, they are vessels that, that fit for this, uh, for this special route.
1: How, how long would a vessel normally have service up in the north of the country? What's the sort of, sort of length of service you'll find for a ferry in North Norway? Around 30 years. Okay. Um, so these uh, would have another 20 years life in them.
2: Yeah, more or less. Yeah, as as you have uh, talked to Yelmen, also uh, this is a very special uh, operation. This uh, Bode Lufoten It's not only the 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 longest and and mo- most weather exposed uh, route for 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 uh, uh, hydrogen. It's the most. Uh, challenging route in, as, as a ferry operation in Norway as such.
1: Yeah. And again, with the biodiesel, have you started to source the biodiesel? What kind of sources are you looking to to get the biodiesel from?
2: Well, we have vessels operating on biodiesel already, uh, so that's not new to us. Uh, we we um, buy biodiesel on on the regular contracts and, and regular contracts. Uh, um, Suppliers, um, so so, um, it's expensive, yeah, but <laughs> but it's it's not a it's not it's possible to to get it. So,
1: um. Peter, can I turn to you from uh, from an AIP? I want to talk about the AIP uh, that uh, Lloyd's Register has awarded to mm-hmm. this this ship design. I I've spoken to a number of companies that have um, won AIPs and to class societies that have been issuing AIPs when you've looked um, at this design what were you looking for specifically when it came to issuing an AIP uh for this vessel the, f- the
3: main thing we look at is safety for for the vessel and the crew so and 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 we are looking especially towards the containment system uh, and uh, um, pipelines uh the in this case the uh, fuel cell system uh, and and also the shutdown system which are coming uh together with the with the design of the vessel so we're looking at all this together that this can assure us to have the uh, level of safety that we would expect on on the ship of this kind uh, especially we should also say that we are uh we are talking about the passenger vessel now and not about the cargo vessel so that's an an, an additional um sensitivity to to apply a novel fuel on on a passenger vessel
1: so an AIP mm-hmm. approval in principle is as the word suggests an approval in principle of a design you've looked at the design you've looked at the 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 flow operations you've looked at what technology is being proposed on that maybe gone to Germond and to Torkill mm-hmm. to suggest any changes to make it look better on paper. But this is all on paper, on, well, not some digital paper, I guess, is what I'm really saying, because it's all digital these days. But where do you go from there with an AIP? What comes next?
3: First of all, I'd like to say that uh, the the AIP that we have issued to to the North is, you uh, must say, that we have been sitting around a few days with, some pe- with uh, many people, let's say, uh, in a Teams environment. Uh, with a lot of dedication around the table to to bring up anything which could or would worry us, and uh, to to these questions, answers has been given. Of course, there are still uh, components which are also in a final design stage. These components need also to comply with the requirements which are in place uh, according to the IGF code. So so it's uh, it's not. Uh, It's not that this is a document, it's a document which is supported by a team of people around the table uh, that are committed to bring this vessel in a safe way into the market. Uh, So the next step will be to go to final design, uh, final design of certain components which need to come with the necessary certification, but also final approval of the piping system. So we have looked at piping systems on a level of the uh, safety is incorporated in the piping systems, but we have not looked at the sizing. So now, once the, the piping system, for example, is submitted, the plan approval surveyors will look at the sizing. And then we are only talking about a certain gas in a certain pipe. So that's uh, normal plan approval work. Also electrical, uh, of, of course, it needs to be an intrinsically safe uh, environment. So once the components are all known and defined, that will go to the plan approval offices, and they will review that information and accept it to be fitted on the vessel. So that's the next step. Then we will have the final um, approval and the ship can be built towards these plans. So we are still talking only about the drawings related to the application of the new fuel. The other thing is a conventional plan approval for the vessel. Uh, on which also the Norwegian maritime authorities will have their saying in this project. In in our risk-based uh, certification scheme, we as LR we have implemented an additional point where we are also going to look on how we are going to commission these novel uh, technologies on board of the vessel in a safe way, and also a further step: how we are going to serve with them in the long run, because uh, there are there is new equipment on board. Uh, there is equipment which is not easily. Uh, to be opened. So we need to find alternative ways to confirm that the equipment which is, which is initially installed on the vessel stays in a good condition on the on, on the lifetime of the vessel. So also that those requirements will actually be decided already in advance of the delivery of the vessel. So we, we, we the owner will have a clear picture what he will have to do in the coming 5, 10, 20, 30 years on the survey requirements of the in this case, hydrogen components.
1: Okay, that reminds me then about the the next steps for for you as the ship owner. Obviously, you're going to start at some point looking for a yard. You may already have done that, but when you're looking at a shipyard, um, what sort of considerations do you need to put to them for a novel? design like this because it can't be just any shipyard that could do a novel design or take um you know the the new kind of system so have you started to look have you signed a contract with the shipyard yet to um, to build this and what sort of considerations have you been making as you've been looking for the yard
2: first of all we we have not we have not started we, we got this uh, approval in principle uh, last week uh, and we um, we are together with hermon uh, in a process now of working with the full specification uh, and and hopefully or the plan is at least that we by the end of this year uh, should be uh, should be um, in a position to to circulate the a, a full specification to the to the relevant shipyards uh, when it comes to to uh, what we are looking for of course um this is new but but it, it is a new technology but it's still it's still a ferry so experience in ferry building is is at least one parameter that we are uh, we are uh, looking at and the uh, experience we have uh, from the industry shipyards that that are really interested in working together with with us uh, on on the new technology i think that it should be interesting for for a lot of shipyards, uh, both in, in Norway and abroad.
1: And uh, just at a final point, Peter, on the AIP. Um, I've seen recently um, a lot of announcements about AIPs, whether it's for the equipment, for a vessel design, a fuel system. It must be a very busy time as a class society to be uh, to looking at AIPs. You must have quite a few coming up. But what do you think this means about the industry?
3: I think this means that at least that there is a, a a lot of interest to go forward with uh, with uh, no with uh, novel technologies in order to reduce the emissions and and I think uh, uh, and and I sincerely hope the awareness is there that we really need to continue on this and to collaborate. So I think what what AAP says that there is collaboration between people and we are looking at at designs which we believe have. Uh, a lifetime ahead of them. Um, what is also important is that we, we, by doing this, approval in principles, and by having projects like this, that that our knowledge will will increase, and we will we will come to more viable solutions in in the far future by uh, sitting around the table, uh, collaborate, exchange experience, and building these kind of, of projects. Which is actually, uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, very hopeful. And and uh, I, I said this before. Any kilogram of CO two which is not emitted is a good kilogram. So so that's why we we okay all classification societies. But I can speak for Lloyd. We really support this this. Uh, this uh, approach of approvals in principle, and again, I, I, as I said earlier, the approval in principle that was delivered to Torgatten Nord, uh, I was in the risk assessment. I was also in the risk assessment of others. So, so there is you feel and you see there is really commitment on any approval in principle from the people around the table to find solutions to reduce emissions, and I think that's a good thing. And it it may now still be in an environmental choice to do this but I think there will be a days and I think the Norwegian country is very well situated for that there may be days that it's not longer an, an uh, environmental choice but that going for these kind of fuels becomes a commercial choice and then I think then it's only going to lift up A last thing I want to say is uh, as uh, Torquil just said he is trading together with a lot of Norwegian companies around the coast, and 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 they are applying. And I think Norwegian, Norwegian country is is a forerunner on, on 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 these kind of projects. Uh, although I must say, also Belgium is doing a bit. But never mind. Uh, I I think you can. What you can see is you can project trades around coast, whether it's the Norwegian coast. You can project that on many coasts in the world. So so. So coastal trading it will be one of the earlier deployers of, of, uh, of novel energy uh, supplies on board of ships.
1: Peter, and to Geermund and Torkild, uh, thank you very much for coming on to the Aranex podcast. It's been great to talk to you about another AIP, another design uh, for Norwegian ship design, uh, Geermund, and another feather in the cap for the Norwegian ferry industry there Torkild. I think. Thank you very much for your time. That's it for this episode of the and X podcast. Don't forget to press subscribe to get uh, this into your podcast uh, flow and go to the fathom.world news site and you can then subscribe to our regular newsletter. Thank you for all.